We're finishing up Revelation chapter 5 today as we take our last glimpse in these chapters of heaven. There are five ancient hymns in chapters 4 and 5. It's a time of praise. And quite honestly, man, I would love to just stay in the praise. Because after we move out of this chapter, it moves into God's judgment. For those who have chosen to rebel against God. And so, with that in mind, if you will stand in our God's honor, our great God, as I want to read aloud, Revelation 5, 11 through the end of the chapter, verse 14. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand, They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this glimpse in the glory into where one day we will be through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Father, I pray as we look at this last section of praise to you, that you, Holy Spirit, it'd be clear you're with us, Lord, and that as we have continued to worship you, that your presence is here. God, without your presence, we can't do a thing, Lord. And Father, I certainly cannot... Uh, preach unless your spirit is speaking. And so, Father, um, it just be empty words. So I pray, Father, that we would continue to allow you to speak to us. And, Father, that you would minister by the wonderful Spirit of God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, we know there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of misconceptions about God. That there's a lot of teachings that are not in agreement with the scriptures. Issues like Jesus. Was he just a great teacher? Or a man who had some special insight? Or is he God? Or God's plans. Is God really in control? Do things really come through in accordance with God and his purposes and his power? Is God a person or is he some kind of mystical force, you know, like Star Wars, you know, with the thing, you know, is he a person? And as we look in chapters four and five and we catch the glimpse of heaven, this is the answer. We hear about Jesus. He is the Lamb of God to which all worship. We see God the Father as He is worshipped as the compassionate, complete God of all power and control. In our culture, 
we often hear teaching, even within those who call themselves part of the church, part of Christianity. It's bundled together, but it's not in agreement oftentimes with Scripture. There is a teaching that we're all becoming little gods, that as we begin to understand God more, He makes us more like Him. One false teacher wrote these words. He said, you are the Creator, and you are creating the creation of you on this planet. You are God in a physical body. The birds sing for you. The sun rises and sets for you. The stars come out for you. I'm here to tell you the Scriptures declare, and as we look in heaven, we see that the focus is not upon God's people, the elders. The focus is not upon the glorious angels who are there. The focus is upon the throne of God and the one who is seated upon the throne of God. And so this idea that we're becoming little gods, that's not what the Word says. The Word teaches us that we all worship the one true God and we point to Him. He doesn't point to us. He is the source of the full attention. And then there are those, there's this idea that is being taught about the law of attraction. In other words, if you can name it, you can claim it. If you can say it, then it can become yours. It is this idea of of somehow, if you just want it bad enough, if you just have enough faith, if you just know how to say those words properly, then you'll be able to attain it. Can you imagine in the scriptures, if, if, you know, poor old Paul looked back and you said, well, Paul, you just didn't say it clear enough. You, you wouldn't have been impoverished if you would have spoken words of prosperity. And you wouldn't have been in prison if you'd have been able to speak words of freedom. But it's not about our ability to speak our words It's about our ability to receive His words. It's about our ability to let Him transform our lives. It's it's not about how creative we may be because we're made in the image of God. It's about Him as the ultimate creator as He creates His life in us through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. As you enter the throne room of heaven, God is not someone to be taken lightly. He's to be revered. He's to be worshipped. And people fall on their faces as they come in worship. Listen to these words of Charles Lamb, an early 19th century writer. If Shakespeare was to come in the room, we should all rise to meet him. But if Jesus Christ was to enter the room, we would fall down to kiss the hem of his garment. As we look through Revelation 4, as we look through these earlier hymns, In verse 8, we read about the holiness of God. As the singing and the worship and the praise occurs, we read, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. And we read that the elders are the church. And by the way, here, what we have surrounding the throne of God is the church, is the ones who have been called up to meet Him because Jesus Christ has returned, the second coming that He has promised. And now the church is no longer here. The church is there. 
The church is in glory, and it's a time of worship. And that's why I hate leaving these chapters, because I like to, to think about that time when, when I will be there in His presence, and you'll be there as well. It's, it's a, a beautiful picture of praise and worship. And then all worship who were there in verse 11, we read, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. And the church worships. We had a beautiful time a couple of worship services ago. We practiced. We had a practice run of the glory that will be given to he who deserves it above all in that time where we are there in glory. As the scripture goes on in chapter 5, there is a plea for someone to open the scrolls, the seven sealed scrolls, which contain the future, which contain God's plans, his complete work. And they're searching for someone to be worthy. Someone, open the scrolls. We need someone who's worthy. No one could be found. They looked everywhere. And finally, they turned to the one who was truly worthy. Chapter 5, verse 9. There's that song. That, it's a new song. A new one had to be created because none of the old ones were adequate. They wouldn't do. You were worthy to take the scroll. To open its seals because you were slain. And with your power... You purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. Every nation. You know, we uh, through the years, uh, heard a lot about Jim Elliott and the different missionaries in the 50s who went down with the Aka Indians shared the gospel, how their lives were taken and their wives returned. and uh, Those people who had killed the husbands of those widows came back with the gospel and, and they came to Christ. It's a beautiful story through greats of splendor if you've ever read the book. But what is often not discussed is there was a fellow by the name of Geronimo, an Indian, you've heard his name, who in 1903 at a military reservation... Fort Seal gave his heart to Jesus. So we're up there singing. And you're up there kneeling with your face to the ground. Don't be surprised to see some guy with a bunch of big head feathers and a patchy chief or a chief. Geronimo might have they uh, might not have been a patch after I said that. Now I can't remember where we were. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He'll be one of us. <laughs> and he'll be there worshiping. Now we come to our text. The fourth hymn of heaven. Look in verses 11 and 12. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels. Now when it says many, guys, it means many. Let's look at this a little closer. Numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand Times ten thousand. They circled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. Now, some writers have said, you know, ten thousand was the biggest number that they used in that day. So this was just an expression to say, there was more people than we could count. Times more people than we could count. 
But if you just count the number there, I'm not much of a mathematician. But I took that 10,000 times 10,000, came up with 100 million. That's a big number. And they're worshiping. 100 million angels. Now, if that don't give you holy goosebumps, then look out. Think about 100 million angels in worship. Now, look as the Scripture tells us. Man, in a loud voice, they sang. You know, it wasn't any of this. Well, I'm just so glad to be here today in heaven. Maybe I'll get a little touched by the power of God. I, you know, I might get a little happy. Are you kidding me? No way. You know, we Baptists, you know, sometimes we act like we're the first church of the Frigidaire. You know? We're afraid if we get a little excited, people might think we've lost it. But we're up there, we won't care whether we, you know, we'll be lost in Him. Lost in Christ. It was a loud voice. That's probably an understatement. Scriptures is a roar. It says a loud voice. They sang. What they sing. Worthy is the Lamb. There's only one worthy. He's the one who died for you. He died for me. Notice. Man, they jump right in there in the text. What it says about him. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Runs right to the cross. Right to the ultimate sacrifice. And I don't care, you know, what we do when we're here. We can't ever get away from the gospel. And the gospel talks about Jesus died for you and he died for me. And that word slain, it literally could be translated slaughter. In Isaiah 53, 7, it says, He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is silent, he did not open his mouth. In other words, the one who could stop all, the one who could take complete power and control, allowed himself to be slaughtered so that you might be saved. So that you might receive eternal life. When it speaks about a loud voice, it's actually the word used here, the megale, which we use for our word megaphone. The deafening roar, the majestic music that is played in this incredible worship that unfolds. It's interesting, uh, as you go back in these hymns, uh, one of the songs said, He looked like one who was slain. I believe that is a reference to when you look at him, you see the scars. The scars are still there. As I said last time, the little boy, you know, in Sunday school that said the only man-made thing in heaven are the scars. Why are the scars still there? Because they lead us to worship. They lead us to remember the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Talked about Marian Williamson who... um, a false teacher who had said this about the cross. She said, a slain Christ has no meaning. Do not make the pathetic error of clinging to the old rugged cross. Where else do you cling? 
Um, some of the leaders of the emerging church movement, as Brian McLaren and others with him, have called the crucifixion cosmic child abuse. You know what the Bible calls the crucifixion? The wisdom of God. It says the cross, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. There is no power without the cross. Don't tell me, don't talk about the cross. There's no reason to be here if we don't talk about the cross. If we're not about the cross. For it is the cross. It is the one who is worthy, who was slain. And then he goes into this song and there's seven attributes that are listed. And by the way, uh, we know that seven is considered to be the perfect number. So we're getting a picture, an in-depth picture of the one who is perfect. The lamb without blemish or defect. The lamb of God who was slaughtered for us. Uh, Let's look at that song. Down in our scripture in verse 11. They sang, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power. As I said, he is the very power of God. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive wealth. In Haggai 2 verse 8, God says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. In Ephesians 3, 8, it speaks about the unsearchable riches of Christ. Everything that ultimately matters beyond what we can see and grasp is in the riches of Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Third, it talks about He is the one who has all wisdom, all intelligence and skill and understanding come in Him. I had uh, learned years ago, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 in the Amplified, you know, that takes the sentence and makes it a long paragraph. And he says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise and skillful person glory and boast in his wisdom and skill. Well, I'm skillful. Oh boy, God's really impressed. Let not the one who is mighty and is powerful glory and boast in his, his strength, his power. <laughs> he says, let not the one who has earthly wealth. You got a big bank account. Oh boy, that's going to really help you when you die. <laughs> he says, don't let your boasting go there. That's, you know, the emphasis of verse 23. Then he comes to verse 24 and he says this, but let him who glories... Let him who boasts, glory in this, that he understands and knows me. Personally, I love the way they amplified it, uh, adds that. Personally and practically. God's not some mystical force. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to walk with you. And then practically, you know, he doesn't... You know, our goal is not to get together and talk about a bunch of stuff we don't even know what we're talking about. God says He wants to walk with you day by day and to live with you in all the practical parts of aspects of life. He says, directly discerning and recognizing my character, that I am the Lord who practices loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. He has all wisdom. He wants us to delight in Him. 
Uh, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord. That's, that's, that's our Lord. Fourth, the hymn continues to sing of the Lamb who is worthy to receive strength. We don't like to talk about it as we move into the next part of Revelation. You can't miss it. That God is not only a, a lovey-dovey, pitcher-puppy kind of God. He's a God of judgment. He can be a terrifying, fierce God. Listen to 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 9. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. To miss Jesus ultimately is a terrifying place to be. Fifth, we sing to the Lamb because He is worthy of all honor. Worthy of all honor. Uh, a few years ago, there was this documentary called Expelled, and it interviewed a bunch of professors in prestigious universities who do not believe in God and do not believe in a specific creator. And many people were losing their jobs in some of these prominent educational institutions because they believe in intelligent design. And basically, here's what intelligent design is. This stuff is just too hard to get here all by itself. So somebody must have made it and put it here. Well, the people came around. They started looking at what's around them. You know, all the stuff on this planet and beyond this planet. And said, I just don't think this got here by accident. I think that there's an intelligent mind behind this. One of the people on there was Richard Dawkins, who fights with all of his strength and intelligence, and his IQ is through the roof, to deny the existence of God. And in his argument, Richard Dawkins has come to the place where he will do anything to keep from admitting there's a God. And so in the movie, he talks about aliens came here from some other planet. And they planted a single cell that was grown in, you know, to you. You know, like old uh, Richard Coffey used to say, you know, from goo to the zoo to you. Uh, you know, as, as there is that transference. <laughs> anyway, you get near the end of the documentary and he's asked, they said, so you don't believe in God? And he says, no. How could you ask me that after all I've said? And then many of the well-known defenders of evolution were forced to declare, well, it must be aliens rather than speak of God. You know, if I was God, I think every couple of years, I'd just ride in the sky. I'm God. I made this place. And to Richard Dawkins, you better look out, buddy. Because <laughs> you're going to find out soon. Uh, number six, the Lamb is worthy also of all glory. The word glory refers to the splendor and fame that characterize everything about our Lord. Let me just share a few. His pre-incarnate glory spoken of in John 17, 5. The glory bestowed upon Him at the resurrection and the exaltation, John 12, verses 23 and 24. His triumphal entry at His second coming. 
Matthew 24, verse 30. His millennial glory that characterized his earthly kingdom, Matthew 25, 31. His eternal glory, which parallels the glory of the Father, Revelation 21, verse 23. His glory. All right, one more to complete the seven. The final stanza has us singing, The Lamb is worthy of receiving all praise. The word praise here is a word from which we get our word eulogy. And when we think about eulogy, we think about something nice said at a funeral. Well, this is a picture in heaven of all of the nice, glorious, wonderful things about Jesus being expressed in praise. Is that going to be fun or what? What a time that will be. As we've gone through these two chapters, as we close out chapters 4 and 5, these heavenly hymns, the first hymn spoke about the very holiness of God. The second hymn spoke about the worth of God the Father. The third hymn spoke about the worth of Christ and the promise of the future reign of Christ, of the church. Fourth hymn, hundreds of men, of angels, join the church, at least a hundred million beyond that, more than likely. And so that brings us to the last hymn. This one here in verse 13. I just want you to look here. I heard how many creatures? Every creature. I mean, nothing was left out. Even that mosquito was buzzing to the glory of God. Right? I heard every creature in heaven, all those angels, all the glorious creation of heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and on the sea. Nothing was left out. All the glory of heaven, all the created beings of heaven, every creature on the earth, not just people, every living creature on the earth, every living creature in the sea, not just that. Did you catch it? Under the earth, even the enemies of God, hey, the demon, all those opposed to the living God, they're going to be singing. Whether you like it or not. As it says in Philippians 2. You guys know it. Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess to the glory of God. What? Jesus is Lord. No one held back from singing. I want you to see something else. And like I said earlier. None of this. I'm ready to sing. Notice what it says here in the text. And all that is in them. In other words, man, they were singing their lungs out. Who cared if you could sing? You get to heaven, you'll be able to sing. To the glory of God. Every creature, no matter where, singing. To the glory of God. And singing this glorious, wonderful song to Him who deserves it. What a glorious truth. Then I want you to notice, Uzzy, 
comes to the end here of chapter 5. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. One commentator said that throughout the singing, throughout all the songs, the heavenly creatures at every appropriate pause would say, Amen! What's it mean? Amen means so be it. It's the truth. So you got all these angels. And there's all these heavenly songs sung by the church. <laughs> sung by angels. And there are these four living creatures. And they're constantly saying, Amen! 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 Oh man, not hard to worship. With all that going on. <laughs> what a picture. And I have to do it. I mean, it's our last time in chapter 5. I want us to practice again. This last hymn here. Let's do it. To, hey, and I've got to point out here, you got to be, you believe the Bible, so you got to be true to the Bible. It says all that's in them. Okay? So when we get, I will do it four times. We'll start out slow. Man, you get to that four times, do not hold back. Because when you're there, in the presence of Jesus, you won't want to hold back. All right, uh, we got to stand. You guys did. I didn't even ask you to stand last time, but you guys started standing. It got me all excited. <sighs> okay. Um, of course, we have different versions. I don't even have it up here, so I'm not helping you. But let me let me do this. I'll say a phrase, and you repeat it after me. We'll do it that way. And then we'll move up. Oh, wait, they're working on it now to get it up there. It's in that old NIV, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Thomas said they're working on it. Be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. These technical guys are pretty amazing. So take a moment as we wait on that. Just use a little sanctified imagination. I guess we wouldn't really be standing, would we? Man. Almost there. Oh, oh, they pointed this way. All right. You ready? We're going to start out quiet. We're going to slowly move louder. This first time, just kind of be gentle with it. Because we're going to get louder. To him who sits on the throne... And to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The letter. To Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Louder. To Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power Forever and ever. All right, church. You ready? To Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. To Him. This is the time, and we call it invitation. We've taken this glimpse of heaven, but you know what? It's not an open-ended invitation. It's only for those 
who have bowed their hearts and their lives to Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Lamb who was slain. Have you bowed your life to the Lamb who was slain? Hey, we're going to have this time of response. And if you have not, if you have not worshipped through your life and your heart and given yourself to the Lamb who was slain, this is a great time to do it. We're going to pray and we're going to sing and we're going to have a time for people to come and to respond to Him. We also have an altar that's open as you want to bring that praise to God. Maybe there's a burden you want to bring here at the altar. Hey, this is His time. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for an opportunity. Get that little glimpse of glory, Lord, and to worship for a moment. But Father, we don't, we don't want that to end. We want to obey You. Your word says to obey is better than sacrifice. So if there's a place where we need to obey you, God, help us get that right to come to you now and to obey you. Maybe for the first time to receive salvation, to meet Jesus and to receive his gift of eternal life. Maybe it's to say yes to some call that you have placed upon us to be obedient to you. Or maybe it's just to get some stuff right in our hearts that's wrong to forgive those who have hurt us. Father, you know what is needed. And I pray as you would lead us to the altar, lead us to you ultimately in this time that we respond. May you be praised. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.